Base hit left field. Nice piece of hitting by Will Brennan. Didn't try to do too much. He took oh, what the was bird. there and slapped it the other way. Get a, get a shot right at shortstop, guys. We got a bird that may have been hit by that possibly. It's a bird that's not moving. Well, here comes the shovel. Yeah. Baseball fans, welcome to Put Me in Coach, a podcast for baseball fans. My name is Matt Coggins. And my name is Carl Mizell, and good evening, friend. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, since last we spoke, I've been to my second baseball game of the year. Um, the, it was the last time the Mets lost, so <laughs> maybe I brought some good, some good vibes to them. Matt Coggins, slump buster. Hey, what, whatever it takes, man. <laughs> um, how about you? How are you doing? I am so good. I took my son to his first Comic-Con over the weekend. Motor City Comic-Con. Oh. Yeah, it was this weekend. And it has changed a lot from when I first started going over 20 years ago. More people show up in a day than would show up for like three days uh, because it's just so... It's. I mean, Comic-Cons are so big now, and to his credit, he's only five. He was on my shoulders most of the time. He was very shy, but he had a blast. He wanted to wear a Spider-Man costume, so he went as Spider-Man. Perfect. And uh, he was getting dapped up and getting high fives, and don't don't web me, Spider-Man, and it, it, it was the best. And uh, he's already, he, he thinks that it's a thing that goes on like every weekend now. He's like, so dad, can we go next week? And I'm like, no. Aww. <laughs> but uh, he wants me to dress up next time. Uh, so I've got a couple things, uh, in the works, but, uh, apologies for that slightly long, uh, answer to that uh, small talk question, but I am a proud, uh, geeky dad today. I was going to say he's about to be the age and you're the perfect family dynamic. There might be so many costume opportunities for you and the whole family. Oh you yeah. You guys can partner up. Every year, you got a new uh, superhero team-up squad going on. Oh, yep, my uh, my good buddy Nick, him and his family uh, did that uh, several times when it was just him and his wife and his son, but they would dress up their dogs. They did a Super Mario-themed one where they dressed up their dogs like Koopas, um, but now they have two kids. Just like they, their kids are both the same, like gender and age, like age, but like six months. Like his his son was born in September, mine was in April. My daughter in June, his daughter in December. So we're all kind of like right there. So I'm, I'm taking cues from him on that. And I'm, I'm trying to plan some family cosplays on that. Hell yeah. Well, of course, this is a baseball show. We could probably talk forever about uh, dorky stuff. Oh, um, yeah. But I guess we're going to have to start a different podcast for that. <laughs> um, but I today on the show... I was going to say, I don't think anybody's ever done that. I don't think anybody's done any <laughs> podcast about pop culture, so I think we got Two gotta... white guys uh, talking about comic books. It'd be new. It'd be new. <laughs> Just like two white guys talking about baseball, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, today on the show, we are talking about baseball movies, our favorites, how they relate to the game. We're also going to visit uh, a hot topic about cheating. Is it back? Is it back in ways that people aren't talking about? We'll we'll uh, explore. Um, but uh, before we get into all that, let's talk about what's been going on in the baseball world with our segment on the baseball news. When 
of these I'm going to remember which, which sound effects I play for baseball news because I don't <laughs> think I've hit the same one every week. <laughs> if you if you hadn't have told me, I probably would have noticed, but I I wouldn't have said anything. I would have just thought it was a, a thing like you like to keep them in rotation. Yeah, no, I I I go uh, it's one of these. I don't know. They're labeled on my board, but not in a way that's easy to like see. So it's like yeah, the the, the organ sounds are all kind of in the middle. So I just kind of stab and hope for the best. <laughs> are they labeled with wingdings instead of letters? <laughs> My own handwriting, so... Oh, there's your problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could have been a doctor from the handwriting alone. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this weekend's attendance was uh, about a million and a half. Uh, the best weekend attendance across MLB in April or May in more than six years. We are in the middle of hockey and basketball playoffs. There's XFL games going on, too, I think. <laughs> Soccer is a thing in this country. Is baseball top dog once again? No, um, because you're missing one uh, very uh, big elephant in the room, and that's NF- the NFL. Uh, if <laughs> now it, it come playoff time, like baseball playoff time, when the NFL season is just getting started, then we can talk. But I think it says I think it's more an indictment of where basketball and hockey is in this country currently than Could where baseball that. is. Now that said, that said, I do think. That all of the rule changes uh, has definitely, if nothing else, it brought back people who were curious to go, oh, well, maybe I'll like it again. And maybe they're sticking around. Could be. I mean, like, I know a lot of people who aren't big baseball fans have been going to games just in my life and my circles. And they've all been like, man, that was actually really fun. I haven't been to a game in years and I had a great time. So, um, you know, on, on a similar subject. Saw the Mets this week, as I mentioned. I sat somewhere I'd never sat before, which was kind of... I actually did a lot of things that were first for me this week, and this is related to the baseball news. I, uh, I've i always wanted to do the thing where you're like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go to a game today. I've never done that. Never spur of the oh, moment decided, the I'm going to go to a game. And I live in New York City. I got two MLB stadiums within a train's distance away, so I decided, fuck it. I'll, I haven't seen Justin Verlander pitch since I was a kid. He's going to be on the mound in a city field debut. I'm going to go, and I'm going to sit somewhere I've never sat before. I got $7 tickets, uh... Right, if you're familiar with City Field, there's the big home run apple that comes out of the center. I sat to the right of that, um, which was, uh, in theater terms, downstage of the gigantic scoreboard. So pretty much everything that was going on that night, Tuesday night, I didn't see it. Um, <laughs> which included the moment when the scoreboard uh, glitched and then put up the Rays logo. All I heard was everybody booing, and I was like, "What's what's going on?" What? Um, but there was a lot of booing. Um, we'll get we'll get to that as well. But first, I want to talk yeah. about the Mets this weekend. They were on a tear. They finally beat their slump, thanks to me. And the only thing everybody's talking about is Pete Alonso and his hip thrust celebration. Um, the man, he, he's like a, a, a grown-up little baby boy in a big man's body. Um, he loves yeah. to hump. He just loves humping. <laughs> he's a humper. Um, his, his, you know, post-game celebration with the infield is to everybody, all four of them get together and then he thrusts his hips in between them. Uh, lately he's been humping the, uh, the rail of the dugout when a home run is hit. He's been going nuts and everybody (laughs) keeps talking about how cringy Pete Alonso is. Let the kid have some fun. I, uh, I did not see the hip thrust celebration. Um, I'm aware of it, but I was just afraid it would awaken something in me. Um, no, I'm scared. I, 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 I did. I had no idea that this was a thing. I was not up on uh, Pete Alonso and his hip thrust, but I will say that he is from a distance. 
uh, one of my favorite players to casually observe because like you said, he's just a big kid. I mean, they call him polar bear. He's just a big, I, I didn't even realize he's only, I think 28 years old. Yep. Like he's not even 30 years old yet. He made his I debut think, in 2019. He's, he's not even that deep into the league history. Yeah, no, I, he's, if, if, if the Tigers aren't playing or if they're getting blown out or, or if I just want to watch something different, if the Mets are on, he's a reason for me to tune in to see the Mets. He's the kind of player that I will actively, when I'm scrolling through MLB TV and I see who's on and who's playing, you know, if, you know, if Shohei's pitching, I'm going to turn that on, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, next level down, Pete Alonso's right up there as a guy that I will tune in to see specifically because I don't get to see him often. He's a big, strong guy. He hits home runs. Uh, and he's very good at that. He hit a bunch of them this weekend. Um, Stroking dongs all weekend long. In, in more ways than one. <laughs> um, but the big headline that came out of this weekend's games was the Sunday Night Baseball pitchers duel. Verlander versus Bieber. And no, this isn't, you know, a, a retro game on, on MLB TV from 10 years ago. It's <laughs> Verlander, Bieber. Verlander pitching for the Mets. Both of them had astounding games. Verlander, eight innings pitched, three hits, zero walks, one run, which was a uh, Jose Ramirez home run, which, you know, that guy hits home runs. Not not to discount how talented he is, but he hits home mm-hmm. runs. Like, that. Yeah. that's the only run Verlander gave up was a first inning home run. 98 pitches, eight innings. Bieber, hun- uh, 104 pitches, eight innings, seven hits, two walks, two runs, four strikeouts. It's the first game this season where both starters went Eight innings pitched, the longest start for Met all season. And most importantly, Verlander was booed off the mound in his previous start, the game I was at on Tuesday. Yeah. So huge recovery for him. People finally have faith in the Mets starters, which is great because Scherzer also threw a great game. Um, yeah, hell of a game. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, if anybody uh, suffered through an ESPN broadcast because they are awful. But They're uh, bad, yeah. And, great and, and, game. And, and, and Justin made his feelings about the ESPN broadcasts very well known. Yeah, um, they were interviewing Francisco Lindor. They were doing a terrible job at it. I don't know. Do you pay attention to a lot of like post game interviews? They're all the same. Like, what was yeah. going through your head when you hit that ball? And the player's answer is always, uh, "I don't. Uh, I had to hit it and then win." Like, it, it, yeah. awful interviews. Awful. And this interview is going on forever, and you hear Verlander in the background go, "Fuck ESPN." Fuck them. Leave them alone. Let them go. And then he comes into camera frame and goes, we got to do player of the game. Let's go. My God, stop asking him so many questions. Let's go. Uh, this comment comes just a few days after Keith Hernandez flippantly said he'd be watching the Sunday night baseball game on mute. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I love it when it, uh, clearly Justin Verlander is at that point in his career. Keith Hernandez has nothing to prove at this point. No. I love it when dudes are at a point in their career and where they just say, fuck everything. Just what's going to what's going to happen to Justin Verlander? First ballot Hall of Famer, Justin Verlander. What are they going to do? Nothing. I don't know, man. Disney's pretty. They're they're pretty strong. I don't know if they're Verlander strong. <laughs> Pay well, to see that fight. You know, I'm, I'm, I, not to change the subject too dramatically and make this a, a political podcast, but I'm having a blast watching what's going on in Florida with the Disney V governor down there. So, uh, yeah, sure. Why not throw Verlander on the fire and see what he does to, yeah. uh, just uh, Disney's got enough, uh, irons to put in fires. They could fight him too. Um, yeah, God, I would honestly watch an, an Apple TV broadcast over an ESPN broadcast because at least Apple's got the fancy cameras. Absolutely. <laughs> 
I, when, I, when I was at my, I had a conference in Ohio a couple of weeks back and got to watch Tigers Giants on the Apple broadcast. Mm-hmm. It was phenomenal. Now everything about it was top notch except the broadcasters. There, but but they're not bad. They're just learning on the job. It sounds like. Um, Carl, we do got to eat some crow, and I think it's our first time we we flirted with it. When I was like, maybe maybe we were wrong about Degrom, and then three days went by, and we were not wrong about Degrom at all. Um, <laughs> but this time I do think we have to apologize to any St. Louis Cardinals fans because last week we were talking about you know this Contreras situation was a was a whole thing, and it was really throwing their team in a in a a round of chaos and they're like oh but they're so bad like why are they so bad like just fix it just play better mm-hmm. um well they did <laughs> and uh since our last recording they've won eight out of ten including a sweep of the red Sox and a series win over the dodgers arenado's hitting Contreras is hitting team seems back they still are very far out of first place uh, they dug themselves quite a hole in the standings, but they no longer have the worst record in the NL. So let's hear it for them, Cardinals. Yeah, and it's it, an interesting side story that could develop over the course of the season is the New Balance schedule because they're going to have fewer games against the teams ahead of them. So I'd be curious to see. Do I think they have? I think they have the talent, and I think the NL Central is weak enough. I don't think the NL Central is a weak division, but I think the teams ahead of them are not strong enough to fend off a Cardinals team who gets their shit together. Yeah, and if they keep playing at this clip, it doesn't matter who they're playing. Like yep. this is because the how do you catch up to that? Uh, yeah. Right now they're in a race with themselves, and I think they might win. And I don't like the Cardinals, but like good for them to like figure it out, you know. Yeah, they were my preseason pick to win the division, and I, I'm I'm comfortable with that. Seeing how they're playing now, it wasn't a few, it wasn't a week ago, but <laughs> <laughs> and that's the beauty of baseball, folks. Um, uh, finally, we got to talk about the Yankees because they had another sticky stuff conundrum. Two of them actually from this week. Um, first it was Domingo Herman, or was this? I forget the order that this went in, but I think the Herman thing happened first. Uh, no, that happened no. second. Yeah. Ah, well. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Don't, this you, is our crack but, research team right here. It, it's fine. Um, but what did happen first, way back in April, was that Herman had this situation, and we talked about it on the show, because um, it happened right before the Scherzer situation. He came out. They said his hands are too sticky. Go wash your hands. And. Everyone was like, why? Why is that okay? I believe the Twins manager was even ejected over it because he was like, what? why does he just get to wash his hands? If he's too sticky, he's too sticky. You can't let him pitch. And then the Scherzer thing happened. So Herman was officially suspended this week for the sticky violation, and I guess it came after Clark Schmidt for the Yankees was also flagged and told to wash his hands. And uh, it's one of those things, like, why do the Yankees get so many you know, free passes with this whole sticky stuff thing? Now, the Schmidt thing, okay, I get it. The fuzzy parts of his glove were sticking to his hand, so it looked like hmm. there was something nefarious when really it was just fuzziness from a glove sticking to rosin. But once again, same thing we talked about with the Scherzer situation, what is the standard? What is too sticky? Because this time they said Herman was too sticky. Was he too sticky last time? Did those umps know? These are different umps. We don't have a rule. So, like, how do we know who's breaking it? 
Exactly. And and this is why I think there needs to be a universal solution. Either pick one sticky sub, like create a substance that everybody can agree on, creates a grip, but not too much spin, create a tackier ball, do something, something that has some color to it or something. So come to some sort of agreement, because as long as there are rules in place against this, guys are going to try to break those rules. It's it, that's just the way it is. It's always going to happen. There is always going to be rules that are going to be trying trying to be broken because there are millions and millions and millions of dollars on the line. And if that if a little bit of a couple hundred extra RPMs on your fastball that keeps it from dropping a little bit and keeps makes it look like it rides at the top of the zone or puts a little more extra, you know, a couple inches of run on your two seam fastball, they're gonna do it. They're gonna do it. They're gonna do it. So just come to some sort of agreement, figure it out, and then ban everything else. Absolutely. And I, I think what some people had argued was the thing with Herman and Scherzer was that they were applying rosin in the dugout uh, to get around the, the short amount of time you mm-hmm. have in between innings because of the pitch clock. I don't know, but like you said, some kind of universal something needs to happen because we're so far the Yankees and the Mets have been the only teams to really catch the ire of the league for this, but eventually it's going to be the whole league. And uh and what's, you know, what's a Scherzer, what's a Herman um, for now? Because they're two teams that nobody likes. But, okay, what what happens when Spencer Strider, what happens to him? What happens when yep. it happens to uh, uh, Valdez? Uh, I don't, I'm just going to start picking out pitcher names. <laughs> here, let, let, let me throw here, here, here's one, here's one for you. Imagine what would happen to the state of the game, the conversation around the game, if Shohei Otani got busted for it. There you go. There's a pitcher name. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Everybody would freak out. Yep. And the umpires would get to do the Randy Rosarena celebration in the corner. <laughs> fuckers. Let's talk baseball movies, baby. Um, I actually watched a couple this weekend. When, when we decided we were going to talk about movies, I said, okay, well, I want to watch two movies, if I can afford the time, two movies that I've never seen before that are always at the top of people's lists. And, uh... I guess by coincidence, by happenstance, they happen to be two of the three of the Costner trilogy. Uh, but I watched Bull Durham, and I watched Field of Dreams, and uh, took uh, rigorous notes throughout so that um, I'd come prepared to talk about them. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, not really. Um, but, uh, you know, we are referencing here the MLB.com best baseball movies of all time list. Are these in order? These are in order, right? Like what they yeah, think yeah, is the, best and worst. Not yes. Worst, but, and but, and the, yeah. the list came out last December. It was written, I was, like I was saying to you before we went out, we started the record, Will Leach, uh, formerly of Deadspin. Um, and it's a remarkably solid list. And, and I looked this up this morning. Uh, while I was at the gym, I looked up this, I found this list and I, I realized you watched their number one movie this weekend and I watched their number two movie without having seen the list. Yeah. We weren't even trying. No. So we don't have to go through the whole list here, but, but I would like to, you know, something that you framed our initial discussion around is like, not necessarily what, if these are good films or not, but, uh, how they relate to baseball. How do they portray the game in a positive, negative, accurate light? Um, you know, we mentioned three, Mr. 3000, which is a movie I love. It's doesn't hold up super well. Um, but what you said too, is like, it doesn't reflect the, the baseball reality at all. It's very make-believe rules of baseball. And I do agree with that. (laughs) 
<laughs> they play flat. They play very fast and loose with it. But that, but that is something specific to me. When I watch a movie that has baseball in it, I hope to see a a gamely attempt at recreating the game to the best of your ability. It's so hard. You, it's hard to film a sport. But when a movie or a television show gets it right, it's excellent. A great example that's currently uh, out there is the uh, excellent Hulu spinoff, uh, Shorzy, the spinoff from uh, Letterkenny. The hockey in both Letterkenny and Shorzy is phenomenal, and it's no surprise because Jared Kiso, the creator of both shows, was a former junior hockey player. Oh, there um, you go. Yeah, so it's it it makes perfect sense, and they cast hockey players who could sort of act versus actors who could sort of skate. So I think that helps out. Um, so I'm I'm always looking for something that is is true to the game in in some way. And I think the top two movies on this list and the, the which we both watched this weekend, I think do excellent jobs for different reasons. Absolutely. Um, number one on their list is Bold Durham. Um, if you haven't seen it, Kevin Costner plays this sort of uh, grizzled uh, veteran journeyman who's never really he's had a brief flirtation with the major league but mostly spent his entire career in the minor leagues going from team to team and uh, the Durham Bulls bring him in to give a, a rousing coaching session to a young hot prospect played by Tim Robbins and uh, in the foreground of all of it Susan Sarandon has her whole thing where she hooks up with a guy every year to make him a better ball player <laughs> and uh, but but Kevin Costner's kind of in love with her, but she's hooking up with Tim Robbins. And the whole concept is like, who's the better coach? Her with her sex or him with his baseball? Um, I'm going to be honest, Carl. I did not like this movie. Oh, um, that's it. I'm, I'm going to hit stop. We're done. Friend, I'm no longer, I'm no longer friends with you. I didn't, like, I didn't like the baseball aspects. I didn't like the... Uh, the whole plot i thought was um weird um the end of the movie basically makes it out to be like kevin costner can make better love to susan sarandon therefore he's the better ball player at least that's the message i walked away with (laughs) i also felt that costner was phoning it in like he did not want to be there and i watched it back to back with field of dreams and i was like oh he can act like, I'm seeing him act right here. He's not doing it in Bull Durham. Very much is in Field of Dreams. Um, positives. Susan Sarandon, very hot at 40 years old. So good for her. Um, and Tim Robbins, pretty good. <laughs> I don't wow. know. I. Uh, what, so what do you love about it? What, what makes that one a good baseball movie for you? Well, so obviously Tim Robbins is not a baseball player. I think Kevin Costner holds his own, and I think they do a very good job of highlighting those two and those two. You don't see a lot of the other actors actively playing baseball. You see little snippets of it in montages, um, but they keep the focus on those two. And I think that's smart from a baseball perspective because it, it helps you. It helps mitigate the times where your actors who are maybe less skilled are exposed as being less skilled. The movie was written and directed by a former baseball player, Ron Shelton. So what it gets right, in my opinion, is sort of the spirit of baseball, especially minor league baseball. They had Max Patkin, the clown prince of baseball, heavily featured throughout the movie, minor league, you know, entertaining legend. Um, and just like I said, it, it it doesn't do a it doesn't do a particularly good job of uh, representing the game. But I just think there are so many moments that are laugh out loud funny, like when he tells him to throw it, hit the mascot, hit the mascot. Just trust me, 
you know, and he's, and then he tells the guy, man, I don't know where the, I don't know where this ball is going. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too comfortable in the box if I were you. The very funny uh, conference on the pitcher's mound where they're talking about wedding gifts and this, that, and the other thing. And then Robert Wool comes out and joins in. Um, the, I, I, one of my favorite moments is the shower shoes. You've got fungus on your shower shoes. When you're in the minors, it's gross. When you get to the majors, they'll call you quirky. You know, like, like I, I don't right. think, I don't think Kevin Costner was phoning it in. I think he was being Kevin. Co- I, I, I grew up in the eighties, so I am very familiar. That is just how Kevin Costner acts in pretty much every movie. That's just what he did. He's very much in the Bruce Willis vein, but instead of action, oh, sure. He was, you know, doing romantic comedies. Um, those are all the things that I, I love about it. To me, it's I watched it at an age where I should not have been watching it. That movie came out. I was 10 years old. Um, yeah. But it, my mom was like, oh, it's got baseball. And I like Susan Sarandon and Kevin Costner. Um, it, it started my love of the beast, uh, the song Beast of Burden by the Rolling Stones uh, used to great oh, yeah. effect at the end of the movie there. Um and you're you're entitled to your opinion. I I don't I don't I don't think any less of you. I just it's one of not just my favorite baseball movies, but it's one of my favorite movies. I own two versions of it on DVD, including the Criterion Collection Blu-ray. Um, yeah, I don't I don't fuck around. Um, <laughs> so we'll agree to disagree. Now now I do you have any further thoughts on Bull Durham before I, I move on on that? I think we nailed it. Let's move on. Yeah. So. I mentioned you watched that, the number one movie. I watched the number two movie this weekend, according to Will Leach at MLB.com. I watched A League of Their Own. I hadn't seen it in many, many years. Uh, I started, you mentioned it in our in our Discord chat, the the series, the Amazon series. Uh, right. Katie, Katie and I started it last year and just got distracted by life and two kids and, and all that sort of stuff. But last night I was like, hey, let's sit down and watch the movie. And it holds up, not just in terms of like yeah. the, the statements that it's making about, you know, uh, it, it touches on World War II and the the getting women out of the house and, you know, and, and getting them out of the kitchen and into the workforce and that sort of thing. And I can never pronounce this guy's name. David Strait, Straithern, Straithen, uh, T-S-T-R-A, I, I, I He's an he's an amazing actor. He's been in a ton of stuff. He does a great job, and he's you know, the, the hey, haven't you heard? We're, we're, the tide is changing in the war. We're not going to need these girls next year. And he's like, well, great. We told him to get out of the kitchen and into the workforce, and now we're sending him right back to the kitchen because he starts to believe <laughs> in these in these girls. But the the baseball the the baseball that is played and the way Penny yes. Marshall filmed that the baseball being played in that I think was way better than Bull Durham in terms of like the actual play yeah i think gina davis rosie o'donnell uh, i cannot remember uh, the actress who plays marla hooch she was amazing madonna madonna's <laughs> in it yeah yeah Lori petty it, it's just such a it was a great story rooted in actual history um i got to see a lot of the uh, artifacts uh, some of the actual uniforms from those teams when i went to the cincinnati reds museum at uh, right. at, across the from the across the way from the ballpark there and it just it 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 resonates emotionally. The performances are all excellent. You got an amazing performance out of a pre-massive fame Tom Hanks. 
this was before he was i mean this was 1992 so tom hanks was still like is still in his goofy comedy era before his uh captain phillips sully oscar winning era yeah this (laughs) i don't know why those are the two movies i picked (laughs) it 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 predates forrest gump it i think i think it even predates apollo 13 like you know, so, yeah. of course, the famous "There's No Crying in Baseball," um, that that whole bit. Um, you know, Rogers Hornsby was my manager, and he called me a talking pile of human pig shit. And that was when my parents drove down from Michigan to see me play in the game. Um, you know, it it it's just it was so great, and it it was so much fun to go back and revisit that movie that I I hadn't seen in quite a few years, and it reaffirmed my love of that movie, and it reaffirmed that I think it is one of not just again i would put it in my top 20 all-time films um but definitely my second uh favorite baseball movie now my third favorite baseball movie uh is also on this list but it's a couple spots down but after a league of their own um a couple spots down is another do you do you watch field of dreams right i did field of dreams another costner costner baseball flick what'd you think i loved it i loved it uh, the second it started, I was like, I'm going to cry, aren't I? <laughs> oh, boy, did I. You want to um, have a catch? <laughs> yeah. Fuck me, man. Um, <laughs> I think that something to me that's very important about baseball that I think a lot of people baseball resonates with is your connection to your family, you know, or the person who, who put baseball in your life, you know. Yeah. So for so many of us, it's our dad's. Um, myself included. And that, that movie just really hammered that home. And you, it, it teases it out so slowly. Um, spoilers, I guess, for those who haven't seen it. Um, if you're like me and you waited uh, uh, 30-odd years to see this film, catch up. Um, loved it. The baseball, I mean, it's it, it, it's a baseball movie, but there's not a lot of baseball played in it. It's right. just sort of, and I thought like when the ghosts showed up, there was going to be some big game at the end that everybody comes to. No, the, the ghosts are just kind of there playing ball the whole time. And, and Kevin Costner's just like, hey, we got to let the guys play ball here. What do you want us to do? Um... James Earl Jones makes a surprise appearance and steals the fucking show with this beautiful monologue about the spirit of baseball. Um, the little kid that was in Uncle Buck, another scene stealer. Um, oh yeah, just just absolute uh, a love letter to baseball. That's what it felt like. I didn't. It didn't feel like there was a whole lot to say about a plot. Um, he kind of he builds a field. Everybody's like, this field's gonna bankrupt, and he's like, no, it ain't. <laughs> and then the movie ends. Uh, that's really the plot. That's yeah. it. But it didn't need much. It was just a nice love letter to baseball and 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 the people that inspired him, including his dad. Um, and I loved that. And it was surprisingly woke, if we can use that, if we can use that turn of phrase, because there's some real solid uh, progressive politics that kind of pop up in the middle of it that I was like, okay, go off Kevin Costner's wife saying this lady's <laughs> a fascist for wanting to burn books. A little bit on the nose for today's uh world but i'm sure in the 80s it all felt like oh this caricature of, of small town america yeah um, I, I i i would love to think that somebody watching that in 1989 was going man i'm glad we don't have to worry about that anymore yeah exactly uh is this heaven no it's iowa Pff, great line great yeah. line and i think it speaks and I, I i think that major league baseball knew what it was doing when it started the field of dreams game because yeah. I watched the first one, and when Kevin Costner walked out of that cornfield, tears just just shooting out of like com- comically shooting out of my eyes in all directions, like you put a thumb over the the hose, just <laughs> lost it. 
my father did not uh, turn me on to baseball. My father left. So <laughs> I discovered baseball on my own because uh, the Tigers won the World Series when I was six. And I got a book from my mom. It had a, a history of a bunch of baseball players. And she was just like, here, you like baseball and numbers. And I became obsessed with the stats and the numbers and, and watching them go up and down. And then I sort of fell into the game. And, and that's how I fell in love with it. So I don't have that emotional resonance connection to it. But baseball has that effect. If you, yeah. tr if you even if you casually love baseball, just like, yeah, there's something about it that draws you to it. And if for some people, it's the, you know, the, the routine, the going to the park, being around the people, being outside, playing catch, watching the, you know, the grass, everything. For my wife, it's getting those comically large, like three foot tall margaritas at Comerica and just being Hell happy yeah. and being happy <laughs> and being happy that I'm happy. Um, it, it, even still in 2023, I think there's a major nostalgia factor around this sport. And I think major league baseball was smart to lean into that with the, the field of dreams game. So I, I don't think that's any surprise. Yeah. For those that might not be in the know, the league now since 2021 has done a yearly game on the field that they shot the movie in, in Iowa. Um, and the players come out of the cornfield wearing the old school version of their, uh, their uniform for the first uh, the first one it was Yankees White Sox, which it, is, it, aligns yeah. with the game. It was a classic. Movie. Um, last year it was Reds Cubs. I think they have to do teams that have been around for a hundred years to get those old school uniforms. But um, which means the Tigers will get one eventually. Yeah, well, knowing the Tigers, they'll save it for absolute last. Same <laughs> with those fucking City Connects. Um, but let's move on. I I loved it. I loved it. Ten out of ten. Can't recommend it enough. Um, I just kind of want to skip around the list. To movies that I've seen and uh, and particularly loved, um, yeah. If that's cool with you, um, Let's so the do next it. one, the next one down for me is Moneyball, yeah, which I didn't think would be a movie I'd love, and it's a surprisingly good movie. I believe it won an Oscar, if I'm not mistaken, or at least was nominated. I believe um, jo I believe Jonah Hill got nominated, and I think it might have been um, nominated for best adapted screenplay. Sounds right. I wouldn't have thought it's a it's a movie about a general manager using math to make a good baseball team. I'm like, that movie, that doesn't sound fun. That doesn't sound fun at all. Very good movie. Extreme. I don't have much to say about it other than it's great. Um, Brad mm -hmm. Pitt, uh, much prettier in real life than, than Billy Bean is. But um, and, but I loved it. I, I think it was fun. And it, and what it actually does is, is perfectly explains how sabermetrics, or at least, you know, what would eventually become sabermetrics yeah. works and shows you in the most basic layman's terms how they built that Oakland team. Um, very appreciated. I think Scott Hatterberg probably, uh, everybody still calls him Chris Pratt to this day. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you know he played me, right? Yeah. I'm a real person. I'm not Hi. Chris Pratt. He's in movies. Yeah. I'm in baseball. No, it, 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 if you are a fan of baseball or a casual fan of baseball and you want to better understand this, like the nature of advanced statistics and how they are leveraged and used in the modern game, Moneyball is an excellent, excellent uh, primer on that. They talk about there's the excellent scene, uh, the pre-draft scene where they're all the scouts are around the table. It, read the book. The Michael Lewis does an amazing yeah. job. The book really leans into that. But basically, they say, "Hey, we lost Giambi because." Jason Giambi left Oakland to go sign a massive 
uh, contract with the Yankees and do a bunch of steroids and be awkward about it. Um, and so, oh God, if you ever want to see the most awkward conversations, go watch some of the early interviews where people are asking Jason Giambi about steroids. It's the most uncomfortable fucking thing. But Billy Bean says, we have to, you know, what, what was his on-base percentage? 420, what was his batting average? I can't remember. We have to recreate that in the aggregate. We're not going to find, we can't afford one guy who can do that. But if we can afford two or three who can recreate that in the aggregate, that's how we'll win. And it's fascinating to see the, the, it's obviously a, a dramatized version of it. So that's why I recommend you go read the book. Yeah. But it, it does an excellent job. And I think the baseball is really well, well done in that when, when they, when they show the baseball, because again, they show just enough to give you the suggestion like when scott hatterberg hits that famous home run because that was the time when they went on that 21 or 22 game winning streak yeah like a huge near the end of season winning streak that put them in the playoffs right? yep. yeah yeah and, and then fun and then fun fact about that scott hatterberg when he hit that home run that won that game everybody was like oh sh you know grab the bat that's going to go to the hall of fame and scott hatterberg freaked out because he was using somebody else's bat and he was not supposed to be using somebody else's bat <laughs> Because you, players have like, I don't know if they're like contracts or agreements with like bat manufacturers, but he was using somebody else's bat. And so now they're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame in some way and it's going to be with this bat. They're going to find out I wasn't using the right bat. Oh, uh, shit. Um, yeah, great film. Um, highly recommend. What's your next pick on this list? I think we got time for like maybe two more each. Yeah, well, I'm, 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 I'm going to casually toss out uh number nine on this list which is everybody wants some by richard linkladder yeah Rich, richard linkladder uh did um the the midnight trilogy before or the sunrise trilogy before sunrise after sunrise and or yeah before midnight after midnight i, I can't remember all the names of it uh he did boyhood uh, which was great dazed and confused i already mentioned that slacker um but What's he was one uh rotoscoped Oh yeah, um, a scanner darkly. I know it. Yeah, a, a scanner darkly. Yeah, um, which is a great Philip K. Dick book. But fuck Alex Jones. Um, it's it's right. it's it's basically a link ladder movie. So if you're familiar with his work, it's just a link ladder movie filtered through baseball. It's fantastic. The next one that I would bring up on the list, again, I was born in 1978. So the film that came out in 1989, Major League. <laughs> this one might be my favorite baseball movie. Um. I don't know why it's so far down on the list because it, it maybe not is the best cinematic experience, but I mm -hmm. fucking love this movie. <laughs> I If I had to guess, like I said, based on what little I know about the guy who wrote it and where he came from, if I had to guess it, he might have knocked it down a couple spots because a lot of the content doesn't necessarily hold up 35 years later. There's probably some stuff that yeah. got away, you got away with in, in 1989, but you're not going to get away with in, in 2023. Yeah. For instance, the team in question is called the Cleveland Indians. Like, woof. Ooh. And their own, and, and, yeah, I don't know who <laughs> signed off on that one. Um, but then their owner, because like in the movie, like the owner is a, is, is a very attractive woman. So like to motivate them, he, he got that like cardboard stand up yep. of her with pieces of her dress and kept removing it as they won, which first of all, I don't think that she ever did anything where she would pose for something like that, where they could get a cardboard standee. I, it just occurred to me. They printed like, this, the, the cardboard. Yeah. Cause like in the movie, she's like a playboy model, right? Who had married. Uh, I can't read. I could, I had spent yeah. so long since I've seen it, but like that would definitely, definitely not hold up. No. Uh, imagine, imagine, <laughs> 
imagine the uh the richmond greyhounds doing that to uh rebecca walton and ted lasso um and see how well that would go over uh for you ted lasso fans out there um, <laughs> you're not one of them so um, I, one thing that i appreciate about major league before we move on from it um yeah. you talk about how the baseball is filmed baseball in that movie is beautiful it also takes yes. up a huge part of the movie like they're actively playing the game in a decent chunk of it and what's great is that a lot of those guys are actually hitting the ball and they're yep. actually throwing the pitches charlie sheen was mm-hmm. a pitcher in college and if you ever wonder why he does so many damn baseball movies it's because he he could have gone pro but he decided to yep. go into acting instead um so he's he's for real throwing those pitches maybe not at 100 miles an hour like uh uh, wild thing Vaughn does, but no, but it's been it's been said that they that he was probably he was throwing right around eighty five, like eighty five, eighty six miles an hour, which I if you're a baseball fan and you go that's nothing. I've seen ninety, like I've I've stood in against ninety, ninety one. Let me let me rephrase that. I've heard ninety. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I heard it go by. Uh, I did not see it. I heard it. Eighty five. I play in a men's league now. If somebody throws over seventy, that's hard. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, this is definitely no, the funniest. Legit. This is the funniest movie on this list too, by far. Like joke a minute, very funny, keeps you laughing the whole time, and it's a good underdog story. It's kind of the original, you know, slapstick comedy underdog uh, story that so many sports movies have been based on. Um, Absolutely, that's Major League. Yeah, you, you, go, you go 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 one more, and then uh, I've got I've got t- one more that I want to casually mention, but there's one on the list that I wanted to touch on. So. You go pick one more off the list, and uh, we'll see if it's the same one that I was going to pick. Um, for me, Angels in the Outfield. All-time favorite. Actually, you know what? This might be my best baseball movie because I grew up with this movie as a kid. Had it on tape. Amazing cast. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the kid. Uh, Christopher Lloyd is the angel. Danny Glover is the grizzled old coach that screams at the players. I mean, there's so many, like... Oh my God, that guy's in it. Adrian Brody's in it. Like Tony Danza is in it. Just random guys. You're like, what the fuck are you doing in this movie? Um, it's a great baseball movie. It's an amazing underdog story. A uh, little bit of religion, but what it really is is just a, a wholesome like kid finds his family through baseball kind of movie. It makes me cry when I see it. I'm not gonna lie. And it's just it's it's the sweetest, cutest thing. For whatever reason, Disney does not have it available for anybody to watch ever. Um, don't know why. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. But come on, Disney. Come on, Mouse. Let's go. I'm, Want me to I'm stick Verlander on you? <laughs> Um, I, I, this, but this just goes to show there are two movies, two huge movie. Well, this movie and a very huge movie that came out in 1994 that I have never seen this and Jurassic Park, the first Jurassic Park. I've never. Yeah, there you go. What? That's how I felt when, when I said, when you said you hadn't seen Bull Durham, but yeah. I, I mean, I was playing baseball in high school, playing travel ball in the summer, but this was a Disney movie that came out when I was 16 years old. So I guarantee you, I was just too cool for yeah, it. Yeah, a little, little bit but past if, the cutoff. Right. And I was not into dinosaurs in 1994. So I just, it wasn't a thing. It, you it would have been like he, the one person that wasn't because that movie was huge. <laughs> yeah, no, Katie Katie is like, bro, we got to get you on that. Uh, the the last movie, it's it's a tough one. Um, I can't I can't watch Cobb anymore because it was a, a lot of the stuff that we believed about Ty Cobb has actually been, you know, debunked he was not he was a bad dude but he wasn't 
that bad. He wasn't, he wasn't like straight up evil. It was more of no, a persona. He, he, well, no, he act. I mean, there are articles and opinion pieces out there that he was like, hey, man, I think black people should play baseball. He was right. very pro, you know, pro integration. Um, the, the last one on the list, number 25, the third of the Kevin Costner baseball trilogy for love of the game directed. Uh, I believe that, I, I, you know, I was going to say it was directed by, I'm pretty sure it was Sam Raimi. Um, You're right. But yeah, thank you. Sam Raimi, uh, Michigan boy. Uh, you know, if, if you're more from, I, my first exposure to Sam Raimi, again, watching movies I was way too young to watch, I watched the the first two Evil Deads, yeah. um, which in, says a lot about who I became as an adult. Um, but in John C. Riley, they made an excellent point in this article. John C. Riley was born to play a catcher. <laughs> He just yeah. looks like a dude who, even when he was a rookie, he was he'd been in the league for fifteen years and was just yep. done. But it's a it's about a, a veteran pitcher who is in the midst of I think a perfect game. Yep. And uh, he's all he's kind of like bouncing back and forth between his love life and you know they're they're painting you know uh, parallels between the game and his love life and it's it's more of a romantic comedy that's filtered through baseball, but. I think the baseball is portrayed really well. I think the story is handled really well. And I think it does a really good job of covering those two, no pun intended, covering its bases. <laughs> um, I, I don't know why I was so emphatically agreeing with you because I haven't seen this one, but it, it it's one of those where I'm like, oh, I bet I'd like that one. And I uh, got to complete my Costner trilogy. So that'll be next yeah. on the list, I think. If you, it's, it's, I believe it's available for streaming on the peacock app if you happen to have that um get a seven-day trial whatever uh check it out um i wanted to mention an honorable mention one of my favorite movies when i was growing up as a kid that did not make this list is brewster's millions are you familiar with that movie oh yeah i kind of remember that one yeah it was uh, uh richard pryor john candy yeah he He's a dude that inherit. He was going to inherit, uh, I think, thirty million dollars from a dead uncle, but he had to spend thirty million dollars in thirty days. He was a like a he was like minor league baseball player, kind of washed up, and he wins this. So he, you know, starts taking the team out, barnstorming. He decides to run for mayor. He's just trying to spend all of this money. Um, I can't remember much about the baseball. I just I I loved Richard Pryor and John Candy when I was a kid. So Richard yeah. Pryor, John Candy, and baseball. Uh, I loved it. Again, probably inappropriate, probably some stuff in there I shouldn't have been watching as a kid, but my mom was a single parent uh, who also was chronically ill. So guess what? She gets a pass. I watched some cool shit when I was a kid. She was like, don't say that. In, don't say that stuff in front of your grandparents or at school and don't embarrass me. Yeah. You know what? We're not going to knock your mom for letting you watch badass movies. Thanks. Not one bit. Um, yeah. Some, I think some other honorable mentions, you know, um, we, we talked about the league of their own, um, the Amazon series. I really recommend it. A nice twist that they did in the Amazon series is that it's kind of a queer love story on top oh, yeah. of being everything that the original movie is. Um, and that that's a really fun take on it. And every episode was great. The one thing they don't do well is the baseball parts because they CGI'd the baseball. Oh. And it's not good CGI. Jeff <laughs> Bezos, you have all the money. All the money. You could have done anything, and instead you yeah. did that. They could have just used a real baseball too, because the shots are like, okay, this is this isn't like full action. This is like a shot of somebody throwing a ball, and another shot of somebody catching. I digress. Um, you know, everybody loves the Sandlot. It's not one of my favorites, but I know why a lot of people love that one. 
Yeah, my, not mine. I, I, again, The Sandlot came out in 1993. I, not really. Yeah. I was 14, 15 years old. Not my thing. Definitely somebody, a lot of people's like kid movies, you know. For me, it was Angels in the Outfield. For them, it was Sandlot. Same with like Bad News Bears. It's like, yeah, you know, kind of missed me on that one. That and the remake. Um, uh, <laughs> we mentioned that uh, the bingo long-traveling all-stars at Motor Kings won the title of uh, best title. Um, but I haven't seen it. Not a, not any idea what it's about. Uh, yeah. It, again, uh, James Earl Jones making a second appearance on this list hey. along with Richard Pryor. It's it's about competing. Uh, it's it's a it's a movie about the Negro Leagues and competing Negro League teams. And you know, one of them starts to upstage like the the bigger teams in the league. And it's it's an interesting flick. I saw it on uh, Criterion Channel along with uh, as another honorable mention and <laughs> is Koshian K O S. H I E N. It's it's a movie about the Japanese high school tournament that oh. is a nationwide phenomenon every year. Uh, if you can track that movie down, I think you could rent it uh, like digitally for like four bucks. I highly recommend it. It's a it's a look at a. We're, all of this is a very American version or American vision of baseball. If you want to see how Japan does it and why you know guys like. Shohei and Ichiro and Murakama and Senga and all these Japanese guys come over here and it's a different style and a different approach. That movie will inform that. Um, in seeing kids who don't get get on the team, just that's it. Like they are, it's they're devastated. Coaches feel personally responsible if their team doesn't lose. <laughs> you know, like they they yeah. take it so personal. It means everything to them. Uh, so I highly recommend that one as well. Hell yeah. All right, well, that was baseball movies. One I don't I don't agree with being on this list that I thought was a bad movie and didn't enjoy, Rookie of the Year. Yes. Yeah. That's a stinker. That one's a, it, it, for a kid, great escapist Disney type film, but uh not good baseball, not good movie, not good reality. Um No. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I I'm sure you're going to post this article in the show notes. Yes. Um link to the article in the show notes. Uh go check these out. There's some classics on there, some old ones. There's some ones you probably never heard of like The Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars and Motor Kings. Um but they've got The Pride of the Yankees, Bang the Drum Slowly from 1973, Fear Strikes Out 1957. Like so there are some movies on here that uh, you might not have seen. Uh, there is one on here. There's an older one that I have seen that I very much enjoyed, and I can't remember where it's at. Uh, Take me out to the ball game, 1949. I've seen there that one. Go. My my grand my grandparents turned me onto that one. All right. Yeah, we'll we'll put that in the show notes. You know, if you have a movie that you love that we didn't mention, or if uh, you want to yell at me about not liking Bull Durham, uh, let us know in the in the comments. The uh, the Spotify Q and A that's going to be at the bottom of this uh, episode. If you're listening on spotify and in general reach out to us you know talk to us on twitter on instagram go to our website we've got it all um we are wrapping up this episode and uh figured i'd say that uh i love the movies you know especially this time of year i love um i love throwing on like a 30 for 30 about baseball and yeah. just like falling asleep to it because it's like nothing just gets me in the spirit of baseball more than just living it in the movies, you know? Yep. I, I recently made a purchase. Uh, I finally plunked down for the Blu-ray of Ken Burns' baseball. Um, that is that is my favorite thing to get high and pass out to on the couch next yeah. to my wife. <laughs> and that'll keep you entertained for hours. Yes. That's the best. Well, Carl, any, any final thoughts on movies? Uh, they're great. I love them. Watch more movies. Uh, go to more baseball games, uh, and yeah, if you've got any recommendations, like Matt said, I'm always down to watch more movies that I might have missed or I, I need to give a second chance. 
Uh, but that's all I got, man. You? Hey, um, one thing about all of these movies, they were written by people. Human beings wrote these things, and a lot of them are probably in this thing called the Writers Guild, who are currently on strike. And so if you want to support the written word on film, on TV, however you want, support the writers that are currently on strike right now. And, uh, you know, do what you can. Give them a shout out. Uh, don't be a scab. I don't know. I don't know how the average person can help the writer's strength, but don't be a scab. Uh, yeah, no, that's, I mean, I, I, the best thing you can do is show solidarity. I mean, I can't speak for, I mean, I know you and I are both very pro-union. I grew up in a General Motors household, so I'm very pro-union. Um, I've been to strikes with with my, my father years ago. Um, in the brief time that we reconnected, I went to a strike with my father and met Michael Moore. It was really weird. Um, but solidarity, that's all I can say solidarity and uh never ever 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 cross a fucking picket line that's right and that's our parting words for you thanks again for listening to put me in coach join us next week where we're going to talk more baseball and probably less movies but definitely baseball put me in coach is an arctic sounds original podcast hosted by matt coggins and carl mizell theme music is by quack quack seatback edited and produced by matt coggins Check out the footnotes of this episode to see links to all the great highlights, articles, and sources we mentioned on the podcast today, as well as the full theme song and ways to get in touch with us. For more, find us on Twitter and Instagram at PutMeInPod or at our website, PutMeInCoachPod.com. Put Me In Coach.